And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Carrie Cohan, national child advocate and award-winning internationally best-selling author who has had two near-death experiences, which we spoke about in podcast 828 a little less than a month ago. Carrie is returning today to talk about her ET experiences. Carrie, welcome back. Oh, thanks so much, Jeff. I look forward to chatting with you again. It's awesome. Thank you. And anytime we talk about ETs is also a good day. Isn't it though? Mm-hmm. Well, near-death experiences as well. Though All of the paranormal activity is really interesting. You know, and mm-hmm. I've had a lot of that in my lifetime. Well, when did you have your first ET experience? Oh gosh, um, so many. My first one, I recall uh, I was two years old and um, you know, I had a lot of visitors in my room when I was younger. Um, But it wasn't until years later, my sister and I didn't talk for about 18 years, we were estranged for a very long time. And I always saw her as really dysfunctional. uh, You know, and I tried to help but there was um, some dysfunction there use of alcohol and and stuff to numb. And, uh, and towards the end of her life, um, about two years out, we started to chat about, you know, different things. And I said to her once, you know, do you remember when we were kids? And do you remember any ET stuff? And she, her eyes bugged out. And she said, Oh, my gosh, yeah, I've never talked about this. But I remember when you were two, and there was a guy with a hat on in a trench coat, and he was at the end of the bed. I said, That's the hat man. And she goes, hat man never heard of him he was like i know all about him yeah so that's the hat man and she goes yeah there was a tall uh et and a short et and i said so a tall gray and a short gray were there and she goes yes and uh she said they were gray they look like the gray aliens and i said yeah okay because again i had had many experiences after that but um i didn't remember this particular event and it was probably one of the first ones where they came into um our room we shared a room together so I'm laying in my bed here she's laying in her her bed here and I asked her can you please send me a photo you know she was an artist can you um, draw a picture of what you saw and then take a photo of it and send it to me which she did and if you like I can send it to you for your description yeah if you could send me that photo and I could kind of put it right here in the video that would be great that would be fantastic. So she was actually a pretty good artist, and she sketched this very quickly. But the hat man looked so squat. He had this big hat, and his body was so short. And the tall gray didn't look that tall, and the shorter gray looked really short. And I was thinking, you know, I asked her, why Why are you, you know, I thought the, tall, the hat man was quite tall. You know, that was my perception of him. And she goes, I don't know. That's all I saw. I felt total fear. And I remember saying to them, don't take her, take me. And so she actually sacrificed herself, I believe. And and they agreed. They came and took her. But what I realized was she was hovering at the top of the ceiling. She had had an out-of-body experience when she was looking at them. So from the perspective that she had, the hat man was quite you know, short and squat. And uh, and I always thought that was, uh, you know, how do you explain to someone unless 
she's actually having an out-of-body experience and, and seeing it from the corner of the room down. So they kept her for a very long time, I think, in the program, along with my brother. We were uh, military brats. We were on an isolated radar base, which was a spy station on the Russians in the 1960s. And it was northern Quebec. And we were one of the furthest north uh, spy stations on the Russians. And I remember as a kid, you know, the big sirens on the telephone poles would go off there. And you'd have to run to your house and black it out. You'd have to pull the curtains shut and stay and a plane would come over. And you didn't know if it was Russians going to bomb you or what. There was such fear. But um, but with all of that, we were experimented on, as many military brats know, um, with DDT and all kinds of different chemicals. But I believe that there is a, a military uh, component uh, experimenting on us as well, uh, energetically, spiritually, uh, you know, forcing us through pain uh, and torture to step out of our body. So at the age of three, I could step out of my body with with ease and grace i could literally my mom would tuck me in and i would fly out and i would fly above her and go all the way down the stairs and i'd watch her go into the you know living room and she'd sit down beside my dad often and they'd watch tv she'd get up and give her get a beer and when they'd start to kiss that's when i would <laughs> come up and jump back in my body right but i remember this as if it was yesterday so you know, the the experiments, I think, started very young, but the difference was, well, I, I believe that at the age of three, I was taken out of that program and put in a different program. And, uh, and that had everything to do with the end of the Mayan calendar. Before you go there. I, yeah, I, it's I'd a like, big one. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to ask a few questions about this one. Yes. Did your parents know what was going on with you and your sister and brother? I don't believe so. Uh, genetically, I think my mother probably had been uh, part of the program. She was Métis. She was Aboriginal. She was put in the residential schools at the age of three, funny enough. So at the age of three was the key time, it seemed, with all of these programs. So she was taken away from her mother, put in residential schools, and um, and the rest is history there. right? So she had a gift of sight. She was extremely psychic and never talked about it, never talked about being native. I was in my 40s before I found out that I was native, you know, native Canadian, and uh, I'm Ojibwe and Cree. And yeah, you know, so I believe that my mother was, my dad, he was military through and through, and I don't think he had a clue. I, You know, Sasha Stone, have you ever heard of Sasha Stone? He's a truther. I think I've heard the name. Okay. So Sasha Stone, um, he was a truther that came out at the same time as Charlie Ward and all those guys. And before I knew the truth about all those guys, um, I, I kind of was in that circle for a brief period of time. And Sasha was the one that um, shared with me that uh, military personnel actually sign a contract when they sign into the military. And in that contract, they actually agree to be experiment, experimented on themselves but also their spouse or future spouse and their children and their children's children and children's children's children. It goes on. So you literally are signing your life away when you go into the military that you can be experimented on. So we've seen it with Manchurian candidates and so many other programs. And I believe at this, this juncture, this, I believe that um, this, you know, program that was going on in Northern Quebec, Canada, 
was very much uh, an underground military project that was, yeah, was, I don't know, not, not nice. Do you believe that the government was in collusion with the ETs and that the oh. hat man was a government agent? Without doubt, he was, uh, there is such thing as men in black. The movies out there are telling us the truth. I mean, great example is Jupiter Ascending. That movie has more truth to it than not. And if you're in the know, you can see a lot of things in there that are, are happening with us today. Do you think that you and or your siblings have alien implants? Oh, we know that we, uh, yeah. So there's been so many experiences. I've actually met with um, a lizard person that was oh, sounding crazy now, aren't I? Um, there's nothing to lose anymore, is there? <laughs> We're at the well, end of you, all of this. Well, you so, said a lizard person, so I want to know all about this. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I I met with a lizard person, um, and he answered everything for me. Um, he was a guy that I was dating uh, for about a year. And towards the end of the relationship, well, actually during the relationship, I kept getting flashes of different things that didn't make sense. And it looked off-worldly. And, you know, I'd ask him about it. And one time he actually said to me, um, what do you say? He goes, gosh, Carrie, you actually, you're, you're freaking me out. You're pretty talented there. Like you have some gifts there. You know, and uh, and yeah, he admitted, but without admitting, you know, that what I was seeing was valid. And so we broke up um, and towards the end of the relationship, I saw him shift a couple of times. And it was usually when making love because he couldn't hold the energy field. And so I would see like bumps in his forehead protrude and his eyes would go slits like a lizard. And his nose would shift. And it would just be a flash, right? And I remember looking at him going, you know, oh, my God. Okay, Carrie, you're losing it. Like, you're really losing it. And, uh, but no, yeah, he uh, he admitted later on. Um, a couple of years later, I was having, you know, a lot of things that were happening with me and some family members. And they'd like to stay uh, anonymous. So I'll just refer to them as the family members. and. We all were waking up with bruises in the morning. We couldn't explain it. And also, um, like, what would they be called? Um, like little bumps, like almost burns, but they weren't. They were like little, I don't know, a cyst it looked like, you know, like a boil. And within minutes, if not an hour, they'd be totally gone. They'd actually heal and recess and then they'd disappear completely. And I had quite a few in the back of my head, which I also have photos of. And you could actually put your finger right into the indent in the back of my my neck. Um, I'd wake up with those. And, you know, when you look at the movies like The Matrix, where they put the tube in the back of the head. Um, yeah, that's what I was left scars with, but they would disappear very, very quickly. So anyways, we were having all of this. So I, I would think to myself, who do I need to talk to about this? That's not going to think I'm crazy. right? And uh, because it wasn't just me, it was family members as well. And uh, one family member even phoned across the city one morning and said, you know, I'm having all of these bruises. I don't know what's going on. And I said, I know we're all getting it in the household here as well. 
So don't worry, I'll look into it. Every time I'd think of who I needed to speak to, his face would pop up. And after reading the Celestine prophecy in like the 1980s, I remember, you know, knowing that if something is, if a person is popping into your mind, you have to contact them. You know, it's them reaching out or that is spirit saying this is a person you need to contact. So I contacted him. And lo and behold, um, he, he, uh, I, I, well, first of all, he said, how are you doing? My gosh, long time. And we, we left on really good terms. And so he, he was really excited to hear from me. And I said, I'm, I'm a little uh, disturbed. Some things are happening and I need your help, I think. And he goes, okay, how can I help you? And I said, well, I think I know who you are. And he goes, like there was silence. <laughs> and he goes, what do you mean by that? And I told him that he shifted on me a couple of times at the end of our relationship. And uh, I said, you know, that I saw this and he goes, and that didn't freak you out. And I said, no, I, I loved you very much. And really it didn't, I, it sounds crazy now, but it didn't bother me at the time. And still, even now that it didn't bother me where he was from or if he was a different species or whatever, because I really loved him, you know, and the man that I knew was really loving and a beautiful person. So uh, I just trusted that he was here doing something that would have been good. And it turned out that that's what he was. He was one of the good lizards, uh, because I think there's both good and not so good, right? So anyways. Do you think he was ordered to date you as part of some type yes. of study? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that he was, um, it was a blind date and Halfway through the date, I'm going, okay, who sent you? Am I on candid camera? I literally was saying that because he knew too much about me initially. And and I was rather suspicious right off the get-go, you know. Do you think he had the ability to manipulate you mentally in order for you to fall in love with him? No, he was charming. He was absolutely adorable. So, so I think uh, I would have fallen in love with him regardless, you know. Uh, uh, he did turn on the charm, but we had a really neat experience. And I think that's what clinched it for me. So I went on the, the second date with him. The first date was at Boston Pizza, <laughs> you know, and we, we had a pizza together. And, and after that uh, meeting, we just we really hit it off. It was a great meeting. But like I said, I literally was looking around. And I was joking with him like, OK, you know, you even know about 1111. And this is years ago. And people weren't talking about 1111 back then. Right. And and he was open to a lot of the things that I was speaking about. So anyways, um, our next date uh, was at his house and he had a large piece of property. And it was a it was a really rainy, ugly day outside. And yet um, we went and sat out on his deck and he came in for the first kiss. Right. And as he's bringing his face down, our our foreheads touched. And we just stayed there for a moment. And this white light started to go in between us. And the white light got so big, so powerful that it just, it lit us up. Like I can actually feel it now. We just, it was stunning. And you could just feel this energy flow through the both of us. And when we finally parted, we opened eyes and it was a glorious sunny day out. It was stunning. 
And he looked at me and he goes, wow, you got some power there, girl. And, uh, and I was like, I've got some power. <laughs> like, holy macaroni. That was amazing. I've never seen the weather. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. I've seen it a couple of times, but to do it with, you know, third eye contact to just lift all of that stuff away. It was amazing. So after that, I thought that I really met my soulmate because not many people get me, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's pretty difficult, I think, to be a partner with me uh, because I see things. If you're cheating on me, I'll know. I see it. I've caught, you know, my exes, hence my exes. <laughs> you know, and um, I can just see. I can follow light trails. Everyone has a trail that extends from them. And you can actually just zoom into their light trail and you find them. That's how you remote view. And you zoom through their light trail and you can see them. And, you know, I had an ex. I, I love telling this story because he was supposed to be at his job and he had his feet up on his desk. And and I looked in and I said, what you doing? Where are you? He goes, oh, I'm on job site. And I was like, no, you're not. You're in the office with your feet up on the desk. Right. And I hear the, the feet going thump thump. And I can see remotely him thump thump. And he was like, ah, oh, Carrie, stop doing that. <laughs> so I don't think it's the easiest thing living with me. What's really cool is I've actually had another guest who was dating and ET. He didn't realize it until yeah. he actually saw her eyes kind of quickly flash into reptilian eyes and back out. Yeah, same I thing. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. No, it it's shocking. And the first thing I thought was I questioned my own sanity. Um, you know, uh, having all the life experiences that I've had right from two years old, uh, you know, I've really learned to listen to my intuition, my little, my voice within. And especially after the two near-death experiences, I have a really strong connection. I came back from my second near-death experience having full ability of you know, seeing things, hearing things, feeling, sensing. Um, and I've had a lot of attacks uh, since then of uh, like men in black, we would call them. Um, I've had helicopters chasing me, buzzing the house. You know, they're supposed to be within a certain distance. I can see the whites of the eyes of the guy sitting on the edge of the helicopter. We've had shock waves being put through the house, um, all kinds of stuff. You know, why do you think that they were doing this to you? Well, all of majority of that was at the time that I had just finished the end of the Mayan calendar and that battle. And uh, and I think that there was a, an attack energetically, you know, because we were very effective at the end of the Mayan calendar. Wait, what what happened with the Mayan calendar battle? Mm. OK, so let me go back to the let me go back to the E.T. Um, lizard guy. Okay, so I phoned him and said, this stuff is happening. We're waking up bruised. And he said, oh, my gosh, that's not supposed to happen. I'm so sorry. I'll make sure it won't happen again. So my first thought was, okay, he's high ranking. You know, he's able to make sure things get done. Right. And uh, and so I said, well, I've got some questions. Can you answer them? And he goes, I probably can't tell you much, but if you guess some things, you know, we started playing that game. <clears throat> it makes me choke up because he later got tortured uh, for what he shared with me. And it was, um, it was pretty horrific what I saw. So anyways, um, he shared a lot with me about 
how he, I said, so what's this all about? Why are we here? You know, I knew that we were here for a human experiment. I knew that from my near-death experiences. It kept saying, you got to come back. You got too much to do. And uh, he goes, well, what do you think it's about? And I said, well, if I was to, again, remote view and follow the trail back, to me, it looks like um, it's humans in the future that have come back in time to the point of pivot. Now, this is 2012-13, right? Just just into 2013. So, um, or sorry, no, it was 2012. It was uh, it was about April, April May 2012. Yeah, because um, uh, things were just starting to happen at the end of the Mayan calendar, right? And we didn't know. There were no TV shows, or I guess there was like on alien, you know, shows, but no one was talking about humans coming back and pivotal points and, you know, AI. We weren't talking about stuff like that then. But I saw very clearly that they had to come back to the point just where AI and, you know, the the group that were working in the world, um, they were just starting to shift and really put their plan into place. So they were coming back to change everything and uh, and specifically the end of the Mayan calendar because I believe that we were in a 5,000-year loop and we had never made it past that Mayan calendar. We always ended the same way, and that was um, death. You know, the world had ended at that time. Uh, the time ran out, and yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway, so... He um, he said, what's this about? And I said, well, I think it's actually humans coming back. And we're, we're looking at, you know, changing the timeline. We have to change the timeline in order to be successful, in order to save Earth and humanity and, and change our energetic fields so that we can transcend into the next dimension, right? And he goes, oh, you're so close. And I said, so where am I off? And he goes, oh, no, it's... There's so much more I just can't tell you right now, but you're really, really close with that. And I said, okay, so can you tell me, am I tagged? Because I had a, a scar, like a lump in the back of my leg. And I also had, I still have a really tender spot in my arm here. And I used to have one here that I had ultrasound and you could see something floating in there. It wasn't attached to anything, but um, it would vibrate. And my my skin would actually vibrate. And I said, am I tagged? And he goes, well, of course. And I said, okay, so what's that about? And he goes, before you came here, you signed a contract. So not only did you meet with your counselor and you decided on all the lessons that you wanted to learn, but you actually signed a contract that we could view through you and learn from all of your life experiences. And that's probably why you've had probably, you know, 10 lifetimes of experiences in one lifetime, because we're learning at hyperspeed about humanity, about love, about compassion, faith and trust and unconditional love and forgiveness, right? And uh, those five lessons. So we're learning through you um, all of these again. And then I looked into humanity and I realized that they had become so robotic. AI had taken over. They had become hybrids, not a good hybrid. There's good hybrids that many of us are from, you know, generations back, um, being, you know, introduced with ET technology, I believe. But um, but this is something totally different, and it's not 
healthy for humanity moving forward. So what I saw was they weren't able to have children anymore in the future. Uh, everything was done through, you know, incubators and the children were um, not with parents. It was robotically, you know, grown and uh, it, it just wasn't a very good situation. So they didn't know how to love. They didn't have compassion and they wanted to change everything because they were dying out. It was a dying breed. And so they came back in time to do this. And uh, tagging is part of that. We are tagged because, and I asked him about this and he goes, it's no different than how you tag, you as humans tag um, bears and cougars in Canada to look at their life and how they eat, how they mate, you know, everything. So, you know, it's the same. And I said, okay, so how many are tagged on the planet? Like a million? He laughed and goes, in this project? No, you'd be lucky for a thousand. I was like, a thousand? How can it only be a thousand? And he said, Carrie, if you can imagine how hard it is to find a human that if they had an ET show up on their doorstep, they wouldn't freak out, number one. <laughs> they wouldn't, you know, actually have a meltdown. They would say, oh my gosh, come on in. Would you like a tea? You know, there would be no fear. It's so rare to find a human on this planet that doesn't have that level of fear of the unknown. And so, yeah, it's only maybe a thousand of you at this point. And that was 212. Are you still in contact with him? No, he was taken off planet again. I've been saying for a while that I wish one of these ETs would come on my program and be yeah. a guest, even if, they look, yeah, even if they look humanoid. Yeah. The problem yeah. would probably be that people still wouldn't believe that they're real. Exactly. Yeah. And how can you believe it, really, unless you've actually experienced it? You know, it's, uh, it's a huge faith. It's a huge jump in faith to actually... But, you know, Wayne Dyer used to talk about that. You need to believe it before you can experience it before, you know, it's manifestation, right? And so, yeah, I've been fortunate enough that I've actually, you know, had all of these experiences in life. So I don't remember the details of your NDEs, but do you believe that you were meeting or being with ETs on the other side? Um, no, what happened was uh, I had two near-death experiences. The first was really dark. I met what we would know as the devil and uh, really nasty. I was an atheist pretty much at that time. And so I called in God and Jesus to be by my side and they showed up amazingly. And so um, that was the start of me turning my life around. I had been an alcoholic. I had an abortion. So I was a heavy drinker. And uh, my second near-death experience uh, was a year later and unexpected because I thought that, you know, I really was on track again. And anyways, long story short, I had a heart attack and I went up again at the age of 28, just turning. And, uh, and so I went to the other side and all of these lessons were given to me. One of the lessons was that we could have chosen anywhere to go for our lessons because Every lesson is an opportunity to grow spiritually. And Earth is very unique in that we have free will here, or at least we, we are coming to the end of that unless we do something. So here on Earth, we've had free will. And with that, we can either really grow our spirit, you know, uh, our spirit uh, energetically and, and grow, um, you know, vibrant 
become a beautiful soul, or we can return off worse off than whence we came. And that was their words about it, you know, to return worse off than whence you came. And so you have that choice here. And what they showed me was that um, uh, on the other side, before you come here, you can choose from so many different experiences, so many different places that you can go to. So you think of all the billions of ET nations. Those are all opportunities that you could have chosen to go to. You could have been looking very different than what you're looking like right now as a human. You know, things that we would think were were grotesque, right? It's all part of this lesson in life in this this spiritual growth so that's what i asked my lizard friend was you know well where is god in this and he said god god is everywhere carrie god is is part of every nation everything everything that is alive that's the god force energy and i was like okay so we're on the same path i've had a significant number of near-death experiencers also experience ufos and I yeah. feel that the NDE somehow either rewires the person or changes them energetically so that now ETs can locate these humans. Absolutely. So I agree. Um, everyone that I've spoken with or met or, you know, have looked at that has NDE experiences, almost all of them have also had ET experiences. Um, I think it does change you. I think energetically it changes you. For me, it started long before. I mean, I was little when we we were being experimented on. So, um, yeah. But for most that have near-death experiences, absolutely. I think it does change you energetically. You are more open. You know, the veil has been lifted. And when the veil lifts, the truth is exposed. And when the truth is exposed, your heart opens up, your mind opens up. And your chakras open up. So you become a conduit for, you know, hearing things and feeling things and sensing things far greater than what you were prior. And everyone is capable of this. This is a kicker, right? Everyone can do this. And in fact, everyone should. It's just through simple meditation. And, you know, they call it stilling the mind. You don't have to still your mind. You just need to breathe, focus on your breathing and in that you can ask questions and you can you know feel yourself lifting up and when you feel yourself lifting up and becoming lighter and lighter that's when you're opening up to answers and and having communication so i think that's why we're here is to um is to step into a like level two of the the game of life you know we've all been stuck in level one or you know, for, for a very long time, you know, the dark ages, maybe we're in level six right now, you know, but, uh, but it's time to step into the next dimension, the next level of our game and, you know, level up as they say, and start uh, being open to far greater things than what uh, has been taught to us for far too long. All right. It's all baloney <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> you know, we have to stop focusing on the dialogue from the past. You know, all that BS, it's belief systems, right? All that BS from your past. You know, you, we, we drag it like it's ball and chain, all the stories. You know, I was molested at three years old and my father was, you know, rah, 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 rah. And, you know, those are all stories and it's keeping us from 
growing and being the spiritual beings that we are. So I should get to the Mayan calendar, though, before we run out of time. So I uh, I was talking to my lizard friend, and uh, and he was giving me all of this information. And I realized um, that I was being given gifts of, you know, of implants and energetically um, for some reason. Didn't know what it was at the time. So fast forward a couple months, I end up in Banff, Alberta, and I end up um, at a house there that was really strong energetically. And it ended up being a vortex. It ended up being on a ley line. And um, it was one of six portals that was on the planet that was part of the end of the Mayan calendar. And so most people think nothing happened at the end. And it was the biggest battle that I think we have ever had you know, on this planet, um, energetically, between alien nations. Um, because my what I was shown was at the time that the Mayans left this planet, they sacrificed themselves to close a portal and, uh, uh, you know, a gateway. And the agreement was, was that they would sacrifice themselves to this alien nation to close the gateway. And at the end of the calendar, when that calendar ran out of time, uh, six portals would be on the planet. And if four or more of those portals opened up, we wouldn't be here. It would unlock the gateway and that alienation that took the Mayans in the first place that looked very much like alien. You know, they had the big heads and the teeth and these ones had wings that I saw and uh, they were able to come in and they would have, we would have been food. You know, they would have just taken over the planet. So that was the agreement. And I was a caretaker of one of those portals. It's a it's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. Just before I met my my lizard friend online and and phoned him and said, you know, we're having these problems. I had been um, I lost my house after one mispayment. It's not supposed to happen, right? They can't foreclose on you with one mispayment. They did, and so I went and saw the lawyer of the bank and said, "How can this be? I've been in real estate for you know decades." You can't do this. And he goes, I can't explain it. I don't know why, but they've started the foreclosure process already. It's already in the in the legal system. So we have to follow through, unfortunately. And I went home and I prayed on it. And I thought, okay, why is this happening, Lord? And I saw that I was supposed to move. I'd been in this house for eight years, probably the longest I had ever been in a house because we always moved. And um, and uh, I saw that I had to sell it. So I sold it within days. It was sold and I was out of the house April 19th and I was living at a girlfriend's place, uh, you know, couch surfing. And uh, and that's when the ET stuff started to happen with the bruises and the family members getting bruised as well. So then talked to my ET friend, my lizard friend, and then we move forward and I come to live in Banff and have this house. And then uh, I had a hundred thousand from the sale of the house. And I heard at the time, you cannot touch that hundred thousand, Carrie. You have to keep it in the bank. Well, I defended that house from another sale coming in. We had bidding offers on the property and I defended it with a hundred thousand. That's how much it took in the legal battle 
to to hold off. <clears throat> it was difficult times. And so I spent that 100000 to keep the house past the end of the Mayan calendar. So I ended up keeping it until um, December 27th. And, uh, and that really upset the other purchaser because they were linked in with, I believe, with something else. And they really wanted it for the end of the Mayan calendar. They told me many times. And so I think she even put it in writing. So anyways, uh, I was able to keep her away and keep that portal closed. And uh, so on the 27th, had to move. I was driving back to Vancouver. And my daughter was with me at that time, my oldest daughter. And, um, and she had never channeled before. And she channeled for the first time. And this Russian woman came through and basically gave us a synopsis. She said, you know, this is what's happened worldwide. And you were one of six portals and um, three of them had opened. You were the last one. We were waiting on pins and needles and, um, and had the fourth one open, we wouldn't be here, which was that 5,000 year loop. But we were able to finally keep it closed. And I had so much energetic help around. We had a lot of people that have come since, say, I traveled all the way across the country and I ended up in Canmore, right, right by Banff, right? And we had groups that were praying and energetically, um, we were praying and energetically, you know, working towards um, peace. And, and so there was so much that was being done that we didn't see or know about. And uh, yeah, so we were able to keep that portal closed. And that changed everything. I, uh, last year, I went to Barbara Lamb. Are you familiar with Barbara Lamb? I know the name. Barbara Lamb, she's probably one of the best in the world for hypnosis, um, past life regression hypnosis. So I phoned her, I wrote her, and within days, I had an appointment. I thought I'd be waiting months and months and months. And it just happened that this was the time for me to have this information. So we went into hypnosis and she doesn't talk much, right? So I have it all recorded. It's not like she led me or guided me, you know, nothing like that. It all started to come through. And what I saw was when I was three years old, I was taken out of the military program, the one that my sister and brother were still in, and they both passed away uh, early. And, uh, and so I was put in a special program with 12 kids. And those 12 kids were reduced to six kids over the years. And those six kids ended up being on the portals around the world. And so what happened was when I was three years old, many nations came together and they decided that um, it was time to, how do I put it? It was time to um, stop that 5,000 year cycle of death for earth. And so they thought the only way to fight this other evil entity, you know, I don't like evil, but it, they were not a, a pleasant, they were survivalists and they wanted earth, right? So they would be no different than builders that would bulldoze land and not give any hoots of the insects and the birds and the bees, right? They just come in and bulldoze. That's what these guys were like. And so in order to fight them off, all these other nations that used to be warring came together as one big nation. And so that's how the lizards were working with the Pleiades and working with, you know, 
uh, Orions or Orions is how I hear them. And um, all these nations came together and they started training 12 of us kids in a special project. And we were all military brats from around the world. And that's how, <clears throat> it makes me choke up, that's how they were able to place us all around the planet because we were already used to traveling every two years. You know, we'd be transferred to Germany or Singapore or wherever, right? That was just the lifestyle that we were um, we were brought up in. And so, uh, yeah, I saw Lazarus was my trainer and he was a lizard. He was, uh, I would say, one of the, how do you describe him? He was like the head military um, lizard, golden in color. Uh, I know that um, David, um, oh, what's David's last name? I haven't heard from him or of him for a very long time. He talks a lot about ETs. Anyways, he was, he had referred to Lazarus a couple of times saying that he smelled, he met him and he smelled foul and he was very aggressive and stuff. That's not the Lazarus I knew. And Lazarus I knew was very gentle and very sweet and loving towards me. And he taught me a lot of stuff. He taught me how to protect myself energetically. Um, you know, my friends here still call me 911 because I I tend to fry electronics. You know, I go into a store and I just two days ago went in and, you know, the clerk couldn't use the scanner because it was on its fritz. It's an energetic field that, um, you know, it saved me on many occasions. Um, Would you say that that field was created due to the NDE? No, I think that I had that field at the age of three. It was, uh, it was a muscle. I think we all have it, but it was a muscle that was infused and um, grown within me. You know, I, I believe that we all have the 12 strands of DNA still within us. It's called the junk DNA, you know, God force DNA within us. And yeah, we were experimented on and we were reduced from 12 strands of DNA to two, uh, about 300,000 or 300 million years ago, is it now? Anyways, long time ago. And, uh, and I believe that it's still within us. They didn't take it out. You know, the the lizards that were experimenting on us way back when, they didn't take it out. They actually just made it dormant. And for some of us, we've been able to activate certain things within it. And so I get a lot of helicopters after me. Um, you know, like I can see the whites of the eyes of the the guy sitting on the side of the, the helicopter. And they'll, they used to come through my acreage a lot. And that was just after the Mayan calendar uh, incidents. Um, you know, I think I pissed off a lot of people, but I also know I'm protected and, um, because there's other stuff to come and whether I'm part of it or not, I don't think so. I think I'm kind of retired at this point and it took a lot of energy, you know, uh, it was something that I had to be youthful for. Um, well, yeah. I think they're still keeping tabs on you. Oh, absolutely. They, they watch in fact, I've put out videos on my YouTube channel of just recently, before I moved um, out of Portugal, I had two incidences where five in the morning, dog was barking, went running downstairs, you know, or the cat actually, in one of the incidences, cat was going crazy and, uh, and went running downstairs and knew something had happened in the house. There was something different. 
you know, energetically. And, um, and on both occasions, um, I could, again, it's that energetic footprint, you can remote view. So I saw who was in the house. In the one case, there was two military guys, uh, they were ex military, but they were still in military fatigues. And they were implanting a box in the corner of the room. That was like a, a, a portal, right? A, a hologram, actually, better, better put. And um, through that, they could view and feel and sense and everything that was going on in my house. And also, um, I think it was, you know, transportation as well. So anyways, we, I blew that up with a girlfriend. I phoned her up who's very skilled. You, you tend to find people over the years that you can rely on that have had similar experiences and they know what you're talking about. So together, um, we searched it out, found it and, and, you know, you can blow stuff up with intent. Um, so we did that. And then shortly after that, in comes another one. And this one I caught with my EMF. I actually had my phone and I downloaded an EMF reader and I didn't know if it was going to work. So I walked through the house and I, I put it on the fireplace and the fireplace, there's nothing behind it, but you know, the metal shaft that goes up and it's just a tube, but it's way in. It's all concrete. There's nothing else, but it read up. It just, you know, skyrocketed to, to, um, it was levels that were equivalent to a transformer, like one of the big transformers. There's massive amounts of radiation that was coming from it. So again, had to take care of that one too. And what was really neat about that one was as I was in the room, I, I was feeling that someone had just been there. And sure enough, I mean, my property, which was in Europe, it was all fenced in, all enclosed, and no one would have been in the property because I had a secure gate, like electronic gate, you know, you needed a fob for it, and it would open up. And so um, as I'm just going to the sliding doors, I see car lights, which actually look more like motorcycle lights, and they went across my yard and out. So that was someone that was parked right outside my house and their lights went across as they were turning to go out the property. And, uh, and so I don't think I opened the door actually. Yeah. I was kind of freaked. I was like, okay, someone's in the yard. <laughs> okay. Put the energy up, right. You know, uh, up went the energy field to, to make sure. And, um, and, that's when I, I scanned and realized there's something in the house energetically. What is it that was implanted, right? So I get things like that. Um, I've, I was just telling a friend here that I have a property in, uh, in Europe, or sorry, I have a, a vehicle in Europe that I ended up in the ocean. A dike broke, and the dike water came and took my car up and lifted it and put it in a ditch and the water started filling up the car. And, uh, and you know, I'm trained in emergency duties. Um, I'm a Marine industrial firefighter and, uh, and I learned um, Marine, Emer uh, Marine emergency duties through PMTI, Pacific Marine Training Institute in, in uh, Maple Ridge, Vancouver. And so um, I didn't panic. Right. And as the water is going glug, 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 glug in the vehicle, and I'm thinking, oh God, the the helm, the seat rest behind has the two prongs. Well, if you lift that out, that's what you 
break glass with. And a lot of people don't know that. So that's what I was thinking. And the voice said, just simply try the window carrier. You don't have to be so dramatic. So I press a button. The window came down. Water started really pouring in. And it ended up going right underwater. But I was able to climb up on the roof and sit on the roof until help came and uh, bobbing in the water, right? But I've had a lot of weird things uh, over the years that, you know, just you make, they make you go, hmm. Now that one probably was just an accident. I don't know. But I've had a lot of stuff that far more than your average bear, you know. Do you see UFOs often? Oh, yeah, a lot. I have a laser that um, in Europe, especially, uh, my family and I would go outside. And it was so fun because it was like um, the guy that's in California that does the laser and communicates to the stars, you know, and, and in come the UFOs and they'll flare had the same thing in Europe. It was so beautiful. So I get the flight and the laser. And one of my kids would wake up in the middle of the night at this time that all of them, all these ETs started to come in. And um, she was hearing click, 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 right? And uh, and she woke up and this went on for a couple of days. And she finally said, mom, I think I need to learn Morse code because I'm hearing stuff. And so we got out the Morse code and it was fun. And and um, I said, when you wake up in the night and you hear it, start making, you know, a click, click, you know, or a long click is a long one and a short one is a dot. So she did this and we we wrote out the alphabet and translated it. And sure enough, it said, uh, I am within you and you are within me. And, you know, truth bumps. <laughs> I don't know if you can see, but it's like, woo. You know, it was uh, it was a beautiful message. We're the same, right? And so, shortly after that, um, she went and laid out on the lawn one evening, and um, she called them in, and they came into our backyard, and she and I could see them, and uh, and they shared with me that um, they were having a uh, what was it a treaty that was being signed with Earth at that time, and that was uh, that was two thousand. Uh, 2020 it was at the end of 2020 that there was a, a treaty that was being signed and they thanked her for inviting them in because with that treaty they weren't allowed to land unless they were invited and we invited them into the property and we had a huge piece of property there so they were able to come and land and uh, yeah it was pretty cool very cool earlier you mentioned that there's more to come yeah. Is there anything that you're able to reveal about that? More to come in, um, well, this is the end of times, right? You know, as the so many literature and Bible and books of faith write about, this is uh, Armageddon, end of times, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and I don't believe that the new world order is going to have the success that they, in fact, I believe they've already lost. So um, it's just now that the people have to start to um, enlighten themselves more and become more open and out of fear. Get out of fear. You know, that's how they control us, right? We've seen it. Two years old, living on the military base, it was the Russians. 
And before that, it was the Chinese. Before that, it was Vietnam, right? After that, it became, um, again, Vietnam or Granada or whatever warring station, Middle East, and it became the Muslims. We were always fearful of something, but that was all control, right? We don't need to be fearful of anything because we are absolutely amazing beings that have an energetic, we are like atomic bombs inside. We have an energetic field within us that we can light up this world like never before or through joy and through, you know, I wrote a book and it's called the five lessons of life. And um, it won third in the world for spirituality and philosophy. So it's, it's no slouch. <laughs> and I think, I think it actually is being um, accepted with such warmth because uh, you know, it's the story of my two near-death experiences. And uh, and it rings true for people because inevitably we all know the truth. We all know why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing. And is it about material items? Is it about getting a bigger house and about, you know, on the contrary, I, I think that um, right now I live with seven roommates and it's a hippy-dippy house. And, uh, and we all share one big house. Like this would be a house that I used to own, you know, that I would have taken great pride in having, oh, it's like 4,500 square feet, <laughs> you know. Now there's seven of us living in it, and it's a hoot. And we all pay a little bit and contribute, and we all eat together, and it's like one big family. And, uh, and it's a totally different way of living. So I think that we need to shift the way that we see our world. We need to shift the way that we're living and we're treating one another. Um, and we need to practice the five lessons of life more and more. And that is simply forgiveness, compassion, faith, and trust, and unconditional love for not only our fellow men, but for ourselves, more importantly. Because when we actually walk in that energetic field and, and live in a place of forgiveness for ourselves and compassion and faith and trust that we're on the right path and unconditionally love ourselves, man, that's when you ascend. You mentioned earlier that you can see the light trail from people. Mm -hmm. Do ETs have that same light trail? And if not, can you ever recognize ETs? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great question. I've never looked. Okay, let me look. Um, no. Wow. They're, they're, they can mask. Wow, wow, wow. I just looked for... Uh, my former and either he's off planet and but even if he was off planet I would be able to follow it right and even if he was on another side or anywhere okay let me look um, entities they have light trails you can follow those light trails and and let them go unhook because they're like parasites and they stick onto you and they suck your energy, right? So entities, absolutely, they have light trails. But ETs, I think they're more evolved and they keep their energy to themselves more so. Um, you know, the, the, um, the good ones, right? Yeah. That's a great question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> let's see. All right, well... The title of your book is The yeah. Five Lessons of Life. Do they yeah. find that on your website or well, Amazon? 
this has been an interesting thing. So I had it on Amazon and it's still there, but um, they're limiting the sales to three books per person. And I've had so many um, people that have said in the past, like three years ago, this started actually in 2021 that they started limiting my book sales. And I just proved it recently, like a month ago. And it was because I was trying to buy 300 books myself because I was on a book tour. And I thought, you know, I'm going to bookstores and, and book signings and I needed a bunch of copies. I couldn't order them in time. I could get uh, author's copy, but it was going to be, I don't know, uh, something like uh, 10 days out and I needed it three days out. So I thought, OK, I'll just buy books at full price. And anyways, they wouldn't let me buy more than three books. I went to uh, KDP, which is the publishing house. And they said, no, uh, we don't know why that is. Uh, and I said, well, that's censorship. You're censoring my ability to do business, right? And it's and it's print on demand. It shouldn't be a limit, right? So anyways, they gave me a email address. There's no phone number to contact. And, uh, and no one's ever responded. So they limit my books at three per person. And I've had clients that have said it's taken four months or eight months to even get the book. You know, they really are trying very difficult uh, or trying very hard to um, suppress a lot of books, I believe. You know, this has been my experience anyways. So uh, I've decided to put it out there myself and sell the PDF. I just hired an assistant in between our last interview and this one. I have had so much response from your interview. I have. I really want to thank you for that first interview because I've had so much response. And I haven't gotten back to everyone yet because it's been inundated. But um, I have just hired an assistant like two days ago. And so she's actually going to be putting everything out there. Um, we're putting out the meditation, a free meditation for everyone, success meditation. And success is not just money. It's, you know, everything else. Um, and then I've got a weekly 10-minute um, meditation that I'm sending out as well. It's a membership program. And same with the, uh, a weekly meditation group that I'm starting. It's called Carrie's Community. So all of that is in the works. She's going to be unfolding that very, very quickly. And um, and I also have a course. I just finished teaching it, and it's called The Five Lessons of Life. And, uh, and this was a workshop that I did on the 23rd and 25th of June, uh, just this past June. And it's a full weekend course. It's mind-blowing, very, very effective. Um, people have huge shifts, huge transformations. Uh, they're different people when they leave. And it's not just the sunburn effect. I mean, this is permanent. You know, they they let go of so much from the past. So I'm creating that. I filmed it and I'm creating that into a workshop as well that I'll be offering online. So I ask everyone to go to my website, kerrycohan.com, but be patient. Go there, I would say, uh, end of July this, this year, 2023. And I'll have everything up and running by that time. Uh, right now, it is full steam ahead getting all the components together, getting everyone working together, because I wasn't expecting this level of interest so quickly. And uh, and so I'm, I'm a bit behind catching up at this point, but I'll have it all up and running by the end of this month. What's the name of your YouTube channel? YouTube is, again, just Carrie Cohan. Um, and I have one that's Carrie underscore Cohan and Carrie Cohan. There are two. Um, the one that was Carrie Cohan was pretty political. 
I was um, very vocal in 2020. And, uh, and, you know, I'm a national child advocate. When I had my near-death experiences, they, they kept saying, you know, I met with council of men and with God and Jesus and God and the council of men kept saying, you got to go back. You got too much to do. And I was like, I'm a drunk. I'm a bartender. What am I going to do when I get back? Like, ugh, what am I going to do? And, uh, and they, they were so loving. They were so understanding and they just, you know, you got to go back. And so I ended up, I was learning disabled. I couldn't read uh, more than a grade three level, um, sometimes up to a grade five level, but I was learning disabled. And so uh, I never thought that I'd really do anything other than real estate, you know, which was significant. Anyways, um, two, two years after I returned, um, I had my daughter uh, our first daughter, two years after that, we had a three-time convicted pedophile enter our house and tried to kidnap her. And so I chased him out and ended up, um, you know, realizing that, wow, he had a lot of rights and we didn't have so many rights as a family. So that was the start of my 17-year career as a volunteer national child advocate. And I wrote and amended 14 laws to protect kids, including I helped bring Amber Alert into Canada, the sex offender registry, raise the age of consent, all kinds of stuff. So anyways, it's been a journey. And, uh, and in the end, it's all good. We're far more capable of doing things on this planet than what we give ourselves credit for. And I hope that people don't have to get pushed like I did in order to take action. But I think globally, we are being pushed and we do need to take action. And the biggest action is to sing, to tone, right? That is going to change everything. Toning, singing, it changes the vibration. It's like a tuning fork. All the vibration changes around you when you hit that. Well, we have that in our throats. And by singing, I think we can actually change the world. It sounds strange, but I think it's... You know, when you watch movies and it's a simple thing, like you pour water on an ET and they melt and it's like, ha ha, it was a basic element that saved the world, water, right? Well, that's what I think this situation is. I think it's singing. I think it's toning that is going to be this simple answer to everything. Carrie, before we finish up, can you give us one last positive message? Ah. Uh, I'm pretty excited about where we're going. I think that the worst is behind us now. We might have a couple of more battles along the way. I'm not too sure. But you know what? This is a time of awakening. This is a time of people stepping into who they truly are. If you don't like where you're at and who you are, um, change it. And how do you change it? By breathing and by um, letting go of the inner dialogue that has held you back for far too long. So you change your words, you're going to change your world. It's as simple as that. Instead of saying, oh, how could I be so stupid? How could I, you know, have done that? Say, okay, how do I change this? How do I improve my life? How do I, you know, um, how do I become a living example of what humanity is all about? Right? And your brain will go, I'll tell you how. Spirit will tell, tell you, I'll tell you how. And just listen. And things will start to happen that are serendipitous. 
people will start to pop up in your world but you know coincidences there are no coincidences it's all spirit driven and given so be open that's really the message be open and be loving of thyself love thyself love thyself love thyself and love all concerned carrie thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest ah it's a pleasure my gosh i i really enjoy working with you and thank you for sharing these messages because they are so needed and thanks for giving us a platform, dear. Well, the pleasure was all mine. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.